Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everyone here today. I want to welcome all those that are watching online right now. I want to give a couple of shout outs to Deborah, Gary, and Kathy from New Hampshire, the Peretta family from Trinity, and all those that are watching around the nation and around the world right now. We welcome you. You're part of our family, and we're glad that you're tuning in. Today is a special day at Countryside. This is an opportunity to join Team Countryside. We can't afford a larger banner, so you get this little one right here. We also have a sticker we'd love to get you, but let me tell you, it's an exciting time as the church is doing so well and people are getting plugged in, so many new people, but we wanna give you an opportunity to join our team. You know, we started the year focusing on our calling. Every single person in this room, every person that's watching online right now are uniquely called, uniquely gifted. You are all special, and when God created you, he said you're a masterpiece, called by God to change the world. All of us are uniquely called to do that. You know, I have two granddaughters, for those that don't know that. I know I never talk about them, ever. But um, they changed my life. A lot of people said when you have grandkids, just get ready, because it changes your life. It changed my life. My heart is now melted. But I hold my grandkids, and whenever I hold them, I'll just say some things to them that are really important. Um, I'll just, especially the older one, she gets it. I have a two and a half year old and a 10 month old. But when I hold Sadie, every time I hold her, I say, Sadie, you are something special. And she looks at me and she goes, I am. <laughs> and there, throughout the time I'm with her, I go, what are you? She said, something special. Well, last week, my son, he sent me a text. He goes, I was tucking Sadie into bed this week, and I was telling her things just to bring affirmation into her, telling her that she is so kind, you're so caring, you're so sweet. And she looked at him and said, nope, that's not me. I'm something special. <laughs> so understand we're all something special in the eyes of God. And there are people that are here right now, you feel anything but special. But I want you to tune in to the Holy Spirit, to that still small voice that's speaking into your heart. When you feel like you're not important, when you feel like you don't matter, when you feel like you're discarded, understand what the Holy Spirit is whispering in your ear. You're something special. You are special. And never forget who God created you to be and the gifts that he's placed inside of you that are unbelievable, that are just yours, special and unique. After we talked about that, we went into a series on Nehemiah, and we talked about the importance of how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things to change their world for God. Nehemiah, an ordinary guy that saw that the, the, the walls of Israel were destroyed, and he knew that somebody had to make a change. Somebody had to do something about it. And he said, it might as well be me. And here an ordinary man came back, traveled a thousand miles, and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. God wants to use us to rebuild the walls of the kingdom in so many different areas, and he wants to get us on the wall with our gifts, with our talents, and use them for his glory. The last few weeks we've talked about a series that we've entitled Love God, Love People. 
we really shared the heart of the church, why we do what we do, why we minister to all these different areas and how important they are to God because ultimately, God wants us to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. How do we do that? And we talked about all the different ways that we reach out to this community, all the different ways we reach every age group in this church, and how together, as the church, as the body of Christ, we can change lives forever. That's what God has called each one of us to do. Whether it's in a large way and a small way, God wants you to use your gifts, your talents, to bring glory to his name. Some people, they feel like, there's no way that God can use me. I've messed up. Oh, that's just the kind of people that God wants to use you. Maybe you feel unqualified. Maybe you feel like, I don't have any talent. You may feel that way, but it's not the truth. That is a lie, because every single one of you are gifted and called by God to do great things. We're leading in this, this to a, a series that we've called Undefeated. It's leading up to Easter. And what we're gonna be doing is talking about two individuals that had an encounter with Jesus Christ after his resurrection and how God moved in each one of their lives to prove over and over and over again that he is undefeated and he's always gonna come through. He's never gonna leave us. He's never gonna forsake us. He's gonna be right there when we're down and out God is right there with us. Next week, we're gonna be talking about the Apostle John and how Jesus showed up in his way, in his life, in, a, in enormous ways. This week, we're talking about Peter. Peter is someone that so many people can just relate to because Peter, of ordinary guys, he was extraordinarily ordinary in so many ways. So let me give you a little background on Peter. Peter was older than most of the disciples. He was a fisherman. He loved to fish. He loved to fish, but he wasn't always successful in his fishing. He was rough around the edges, that Peter. He was a sinner. He was someone that the religious people wanted nothing to do. He was known as someone that failed over and over and over again. Jesus told Peter to follow him, and he would make him a fisher of men. And Peter dropped his nets and followed Jesus, but here are the issues that Peter had in his life. Peter was impulsive. I know nobody here is impulsive, so let's just judge Peter today, right? Peter often would speak before he would think. I wanna give you a technique that I learned a long time ago that's really, really useful in our own lives, very practical. So if someone says something that may get you a little stirred up, a little fired up, maybe you're on the road, maybe somebody pulls out in front of you, maybe says somebody says something offensive to you, let that go into your brain, come down, and then skip this here, and let it go back into your brain, and then let it come back out through your mouth. Process things before you speak it. So when someone yells at you on the road, it goes in your ear, don't let it go into your hands, okay? Just don't do that. Instead of letting it go into your hands, let it go into your brain. That person's wrong. I am saved. I am a son and daughter of the Most High God. God bless you. See how that works? Somebody says, oh, you're no good. You're never gonna get that promotion. You're a loser. Instead of saying, no, you're the loser. 
let it go into your brain. Well, so I'm doing my very best as unto the Lord, and I'm going to improve, and I will be on time from now on. You see, Peter would think very little, but would speak a whole, whole lot. He always was trying to impress Jesus. He wants Jesus to know that he's all in, that he's loyal, that no matter what, he is going to be there and never going to let Jesus down. He was constantly talking himself up. And sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced this in life, oftentimes when people are constantly talking themselves up about how great they are, how loyal they are, there's a reason deep down of insecurity, fear, and self-doubt. Peter and his loyalty was just about to get tested, and I want to be a spoiler alert, he's going to fail, like so many of us do. You see, a lot was happening on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus had an early Passover meal with the disciples entitled the Last Supper. It was at this Last Supper that he did something called communion. And he shared that what the, the bread meant, it represented his body, that the wine represented his blood that was shed for the multitude of sins. And as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. He was sharing the importance of communion, the importance of remembering what Jesus did for you and I on the cross. When you have anything in your life, any doubt, any fear, realize and always go back to what Jesus did for you and for me on the cross. We have the great hope of knowing that our sins are forgiven and that by his stripes we are healed and whole. Can you say amen to that? Jesus then went on to wash the disciples' feet to show the ultimate sign of servanthood, let me tell you, the feet of the people back then, this is why it was such a big step and a big illustration to show that even though I am the Son of God, I've come to serve and not to be served. We have to focus on who God's called us to be as servants of Jesus Christ. Soon after that, Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was there that he was arrested, and some of the disciples would only see Jesus again when he was crucified, but there were others that would see him after he was resurrected. It was at this Last Supper that Jesus explained what would soon happen, and you can follow along in your notes and follow along on the screens, but it's in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 31. It says, then Jesus told them, the very night you will all fall away on account of me, for as it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And the disciples said the same thing. Who's the first one to reply? Who's the most impulsive person as Jesus is explaining what's gonna happen? There's Peter. Oh no, I will never deny you. I will never let you down. I will die right beside you. And Jesus says, oh no, no you won't. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. Peter, not only, he doubles down and says, no way, I will die with you if I must. And all the disciples chimed in, said the same things. So 
here's Peter in his self-doubt, his lack of confidence, impulsive, and Jesus shares with us in this message today, I wanna share with you three things of how God used someone that was an ordinary guy, someone that was rough around the edges, someone that was impulsive, someone that often spoke before he thought, but God used him anyway in a great way. Number one, facts about Peter, Peter wasn't qualified. Years before, Jesus asked to borrow Peter's boat so that he could preach to the shoreline with a multitude of people. And then this night, we're talking about Peter had fished all night. He had caught nothing, and he was washing his nets. Now, I want to just lay out the mood of a fisherman that has fished all night and caught absolutely nothing. I used to fish. I was a cast netter. That's what my dad trained me to do. We would go, and we would stay out all night. There would be times we would catch 100 fish. There would be times we caught nothing. When you catch nothing as a fisherman, you're very discouraged. You're tired, you're exhausted, you feel like you've wasted your time, and you're like, there's nothing I can do to catch these fish, I just wanna go home and I wanna go to bed. It was right then that Jesus came and said, Peter, throw your net on the other side. Now for someone that had stayed up all night, that had just spent all the time cleaning his net, he didn't want to throw his net on the other side. He wanted to go home and go to bed. But what did Peter do? He threw down his net, and it became so filled with fish that the boat almost sunk, the nets almost broke, and Jesus showed up in the middle of all of that, and we see the presence of God do something special in this ordinary man's life. Luke chapter 5, verse 8. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, when he saw this miracle, and notice it says Simon Peter here. That was his name, Simon. He saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You see, Peter realizes how undeserving he is. He realizes the sin that he's stuck in. He realizes how rough he is around the edges. He realizes how unqualified he is as a man on this earth to ever do anything substantial to bring glory to God. How could God use me? But you see, Jesus' love for Peter is greater than his sin. Hear this. Jesus' love for each one of you is greater than the sin you may have committed last week, last year, 10 years ago. His love for you is so much greater. And it was there he said, don't be afraid. Now I will make you fishers of men. So here's this unqualified rough man that God is calling him. Jesus is saying, you will be my disciples. Let's go because it's time for us to fish for men. You see, Jesus uses the same pattern today. Jesus doesn't call the people who think they're so holy or so religious he calls the lost. He calls the sinners. He calls people that feel like they've disqualified themselves. He calls you to do great things to bring glory to his name. Never look at your life and feel there's no way that God can use me. My story's too bad. My, ba my past is too dark. God will take all of that mess and turn it into the greatest message that only you will be able to tell. You see, this message is for you. This message from Jesus is for me. None of us are qualified. 
in your notes. It says, if you don't think you are qualified to follow Jesus, welcome to the family. If you wanna see some people that aren't qualified, you wanna see people that are, have been lost but now are found, look around because we're in a room full of us. Welcome to the family. Let me tell you, this is how I felt for so long as a kid that was shy, introverted, felt like he couldn't be used by God in any way. I felt like, how could God use me? I would hide in the back, put on clown makeup, just so the kids wouldn't recognize me because I felt so shy, so embarrassed. But you see, when you step out, God shows up. When you're obedient and you see how God will use you because he's looking for available people to say, God, here I am, use me. And it's not us that is doing it. It's God through us. And when you begin to step out and recognize, let me give you an example. Here's Henry Moses. Stand up, Henry. This wasn't planned, obviously. Here's a man that we used to go and pick up at the homeless shelter. Is it okay if I tell this story? Here he was, so unqualified. How could God use this man? He's homeless. He struggled with addictions. He struggled with alcoholism. He struggled with dark, hard things. But he came into this place and he said, God, here I am. Forgive me, heal me, use me, and send me. Guess what God does? God takes what the enemy meant for harm in our lives and he'll bring glory to his name. So here's this ordinary man with a great Paisley shirt, by the way. <laughs> Who would have thought? Riding the van from Safe Harbor into this place. You know what God intended for him to do? God intended to use his story to lead people to Jesus. Henry, what is he doing now? He is in charge of so many aspects of our Helping Hands ministry. What's he doing? He's leading people that are homeless to Jesus. He's leading people that are lost to Jesus. He's leading people that are battling addictions to Jesus. Well done, Henry. God's not done with you yet. I'm proud of you, my brother. That's what God does in us and through us when we recognize when we recognize, God, I'm not qualified, but you are good. In your notes, I love this quote by Mark Batterson. It says, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. So if you think God can't use me because of my sin, my flaws, and my weaknesses, that is absolutely a lie belched out of the pit of hell. God knows all that you are, he knows all that you've done, and he still wants you. He gave a son for you. Maybe you rejected Peter in your life, just like, or rejected Jesus in your life, just like Peter did. But yet he still comes back and says, here I am. I'm right here beside you. Don't be afraid. I've got a plan for you. I will turn it around. Put your trust in me. So you think Peter started following Jesus at this moment, lived happily ever after and never sinned again? Do you think that? No, no. Number two in your notes, Peter failed repeatedly. When Peter objected to Jesus' plan to die for the sins of the world, and he was kind of saying, no, you can't do that, you can't die on the cross, 
Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. Has God ever told you that? Get behind me, Satan? That's a pretty big statement, but it was made to Peter by Jesus. When Jesus appeared on the mountain with Moses and Elijah, Peter ups this enormous special moment. He interrupts it and says, can I set up some tents here? Let's set up a camp. Peter, will you think a little bit? When Jesus was walking on the water, Peter wanted to walk alongside of him, and Jesus said, come. And he began to walk on water, but what did he do? He had doubts, he had fears, he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he sank like a rock. Peter, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, Peter said, you're not washing mine. There is no way. And then when Jesus told him the importance of what he was doing, what did Peter say? Oh, just wash me all over, wash my back, wash my hair. And I can only imagine the hairy back Peter probably had. (laughs) Peter was a character, let me tell you. When Jesus was arrested, it was Peter's big moment to prove himself. What did he do? He denied Jesus. Look at that together in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 69. It says, now Peter was sitting out on the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I do not know what you're talking about, he said. And then he went out into the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again he denied it, with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. And then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Here's the same guy that said, I would never deny you. I will die with you. Over and over, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. For Peter, this was an epic fail. Have you ever tried to get your life completely together and then you fail? Have you ever had a moment where you just were like thinking it was so great and then you fail? Have you ever had a crisis in your life where you felt so close to God but this crisis happens and then you fail? What do you do when you fail? Let me tell you, seven years ago when I lost my brother tragically, it set me on a spiral that was so horrible Here I am, I'm the pastor of the church. I'm not allowed to go through these type of hurts and wounds. Here the pastor of the church then begins to struggle with depression, despair. Wouldn't wanna get out of my room. I would lock myself in the room, just close the, the shades and sleep weeks after weeks. I would get up and preach and share about the hope of the world, but yet I was in a struggle of a lifetime by myself, isolated, right where the enemy wanted me to be, speaking lies into my heart. You're never gonna get it together. You're always gonna struggle. You're always gonna need to be depressed. But what did God do? God took me out of my despair, out of my depression, out of my pain, and he moved me to where he wanted me to be. See, all of us in our life, we have defining moments. It's something that we go through that define who we are. So you can have a defining moment that just throws you into a place where you never recover, 
or you have a defining moment where it really puts in your heart who God is. And what happened in that moment? God showed me who he truly is in my life. It wasn't about my position. He cared enough about who I am as an individual and as a person. He wouldn't let go of me. I wanted to quit. I wanted to stop. And Jesus says, you just know I love you, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. Understand that God loves you not because of what you do, but because of who you are. So this is what I did. I prayed every prayer I could think of. Elaine is praying every prayer she could think of. She didn't know what to do. We were just holding on to the horns of the altar and saying, God, I will not give up. God, I appreciate your word and I'm gonna stand on your word. Whether I feel it ever again, whether I see the faithfulness of your goodness in my life ever again, I'm gonna stand on your word and I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna get up. And what did God do when I continued to seek his face? He did a miracle in my brain and in my life. Don't give up. Quitting is not an option, church. Get up and move out of where you are and to where God wants you to be. People say, Pastor Glenn, you seem so much different. Why am I different? Because God has done a miracle in Glenn Davis's life. Not because of what I do, but because who he is in me. You see, Peter, even at his worst moments, Jesus didn't see him as a failure. Jesus defined how he saw Peter when he changed his name. No longer will you be Simon, he said. Your name will be Peter, Petra. You are the rock, and on this church, I will build my church. You're the rock, you're solid. Here's the most unqualified, rough around the edges man in the Bible, and Jesus said, I will use it all to bring glory to my name. You see, every failure of Peter led to more mercy from God. Peter sank like a rock when Jesus, when he was walking on the water and Jesus lifted him out. Peter messed up at the foot washing illustration. Jesus washed his feet anyway. When we see Jesus denied three times by Peter, when it mattered most, we see what happens in John chapter 21. After Jesus rose from the dead, he took Peter aside cooked him breakfast. Wouldn't you love to have a meal cooked by Jesus? You think Waffle House is good. I can only imagine how that was. And he gave Jesus the ch- and he gave Peter the chance to affirm his love for Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. What restoration that is. That's what God does. He wants to bring rec- rec- Reconciliation in our heart. Because of God's mercy, Peter was not a failure. Peter was the rock. Because of who Jesus is in your life, you are not a failure. You're not depressed. You're not a loser. You are walking in the fullness of who God says you are in your life. Now listen, how it ended up for Peter, here's that guy that denied him three times, and it was Peter that spoke on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon him. It could have been anyone else. It could have been the most religious person, the best speaker, the one that had it all together. No, God used Peter to speak on that day. It was Peter that saw 3,000 people come to Jesus in one day in the book of Acts. 
It was Peter that became one of the greatest leaders of the New Testament in the church as it was, the foundation was laid. Peter was not defined by his failures. His failures were no match for God's mercy. So if you feel stuck, if you feel stuck in your sin, stuck in your depression, stuck in your pain, listen, none of that is a match for the mercy of God. Aren't you glad that his mercies are new every morning? When you wake up, don't wake up and say, oh, another day. Wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in Jesus' name. So in your notes, your failures do not define your destiny. Your failures magnify God's mercy. No matter how many times you've fallen, Jesus will pick you up. Even if you've denied him over and over with friends or family or people at work, Jesus will give you a chance to love him over and over again. He will turn the greatest mess that we've created in our life and he'll bring glory to his name and make it the greatest message that is just from you in your heart. Jesus was undefeated in Peter's life. Jesus will be undefeated in our life. But we have to recognize who he is, stop looking at our pain, and look up because his redemption draweth nigh. Peter wasn't a great man because of Peter. He was a great man because of Jesus. He wasn't a great apostle because he was qualified. He was a great apostle because he was called by God, just as we are called by God where we are. Number three, as we close out today, in your notes, Peter's victory was found in Jesus. Peter realized that Jesus was the real rock and he was just part of it as a small stone. We see Peter later in his life, he began to write some books in the Bible and he began to share some of the things on God's calling and the priesthood, not just of the elite religious people, but the person that is lost, that dying, that needs Jesus. Every single person that will put their trust in Jesus, God will use. First Peter chapter two, starting in verse four. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built in the spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. In your notes, God takes the ruins of your bad choices and builds a life that reflects his love. Why does God love you so much? It's not because we're good. It's because he's good. He rescues us from guilt and shame. He has paid the price for our freedom with his own life. He desires us to serve him and use the gifts that he's given us to bring glory to his name. So, here we are today. Team Sunday. Woo-hoo! Team Sunday. Team Sunday, countryside team. You know, on Super Bowl Sunday, when I'm like, hey, the Bucks won the Super Bowl! Team Bucks! Everybody was going nuts. I, I gave a personal invite to Tom Brady. He hasn't called me yet. I'm waiting, Tom. But how much greater is Team Countryside? to make a difference, not only in this church, 
not only in this Tampa Bay area, but to make a difference in the world. God is calling you to use your gifts and your talents to bring glory to his name. So what does it mean to be a part of Team Countryside? It means you're using your gifts to make our church better. There are great needs in our church. There are people that are sitting on the sidelines and COVID kind of messed up some of our teams, but here's an opportunity, here we are. March 2021, God's calling you to step up out of your comfort zone and use your gifts. So how do we do that? In the front lobby, there are leaders from every area of ministry in this church. Whether it's the nursery, which is an incredible team. I started in a four and five year old ministry. I see single parents dropping their boys off. They would latch onto my leg and not let go for an hour and a half. We need help with our middle school, our high school. I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done. I did middle school ministry for eight years. Eight years. I'm still in therapy for those eight years. It's okay, I'm gonna get through it. But God will use people like you to change a young person's life forever. By example, in small groups, the different things that are done there are amazing. If you wanna sign up for that, ushers, greeters, there are people that run the golf carts. First service, we didn't have anybody to run our golf carts. First service. So these people are walking in. I saw people walking in with a limp. First service. Where's the golf cart? Oh, I don't know. Must not have anybody available today. What has God called you? Our cafe team. This isn't working at McDonald's. This is being to able joyfully serve and love on the people that come into the church to serve the free coffee? There are people that come here for the free coffee. And guess what we're gonna give them? Free coffee and Jesus. It's all a tool. Our founding pastor taught me, everything that we do is a tool to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ. So we need help in our cafe. We need help on Wednesday nights. We need help in helping hands. We, we're serving over 400 families a week. Three days a week, they're in our front yard just to be able to come and load food in to help. It's, it's powerful how God will use you, our safety team, our growth track. Man, there's so many different areas that God could use you. So what I'm asking you to do, just pray. God, how can you use me and my gifts? People ask me, where should I start? Where are your passions? Start with your greatest passion. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality. Maybe you have the gift of serving. Whatever it may be, just say, God, start somewhere with me. And if you may start somewhere and not like it, that's okay too. There's people that would quit serving and then not come back to the church. Don't do that. Just find another spot. Maybe you have to look five different ministries, but God will use you, just like the song in worship. What is he looking for? Availability. How many will say, Lord, I'm available to you? Father, I just thank you for a church that loves you with all of their heart, soul, and mind, and a church that loves their neighbor as themselves. Show us areas, Lord, that you can use our individual callings and giftings to bring glory to your name. Father, I pray that they would never feel left out that no one in this sanctuary right now or online, Lord, anyone that calls countryside their home, that they would truly understand that it's a family and that as the family begins to find their places of service, their places to use their gifts, their calling is gonna be used 
And God, you're gonna begin to raise them up for your glory. So Father, call us, use us, anoint us. Let this church be a church that knows who you are and what you're doing to make you known to the world. With every head bowed, every eye closed before we dismiss. Maybe here today, maybe you're in that place of depression, despair. This past year has been crazy. Depression's at an all-time high. Suicidal thoughts are at an all-time high. All the different things, and you feel all alone. God is saying to you today, you are not alone. His word says that I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. There's people in here, I felt it during worship or online, that just want to quit and give up. I speak life over you right now in Jesus' name. Don't quit. Don't give up because God is right there beside you. Maybe you feel lost. That's who Jesus came for. He came for the lost, to bring salvation into your life, to know him as your savior and your God. He says he's a friend that'll stick closer than a brother. Maybe you've been let down by people and friends, family. Jesus Christ will never let you down because he loves you that much. So if you're here today and say, Pastor Glenn, I want to draw near to the Lord. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Maybe you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The angels in heaven will rejoice when one person comes to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. So if you're in that place today, when I count to three, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but I'm going to pray for you, and I believe that you will leave this place today in a completely different direction, knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. One, two, Three. Will you raise your hand if that's you? You want to be included in this prayer? Thank you so much. Yes, yes. I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand over here. Will you raise it up high so I can see your hands? God bless you. Yes, I see your hand over on that side. Come on over to my right, your left. Yes, I see your hand and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. I see your hand over on this side. Is there anyone else that want to be included in this? I see your hand up top. God bless you. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. Can we all pray for the sake of those that raised their hands today? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus. I thank you that you find me when I feel lost. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you're a God who loves me in spite of my failures. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, my God, and my very best friend. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, could we all stand together before we're dismissed right now? Let's give the Lord a great praise offering for all that he's doing, all that he's done. I want to ask you if you would, Pastor Tim called me yesterday and he has diverticulitis. So for those that know what that is, that is a very painful thing. So we want to lift him up in prayer. And I just want to ask you, how many want more of Jesus in every area of your life? Father, you see our hands and you see our hearts. We want more of you, less of us. I pray, God, that you would touch Pastor Tim and you'd bring healing to his body. I pray your blessing and your anointing on each and every individual in this place, husbands and wives and marriages. Lord, that you would bless our children. You would bless our homes. Father, as we leave this place today, we walk into our mission field to be a light in a dark world. So anoint us and use us to bring glory to your name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you, church. 
Love you so much. So good to be with you today.